and welcome to another edition of the Brother Who Bashes podcast. I am joined by not my brother from another mother because Brad is still on his trip here to Roanoke, Virginia. So just the one brother today. But of course, I do have a special guest, a very special guest this week. Before we get into that, though, this podcast can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher. So um, with Modern being really the talk of the town these days, I wanted to bring in an expert on Jeskai Stoneblade. This is arguably one of the best decks in Modern right now. Uh, so we wanted to bring in someone who is not only an expert in Jeskai Stoneblade, but also won a Grand Prix with it. So that expert is none other than Mr. Brian Brown-Doing. How you doing, BBD? Doing great. And, you know, it's, it's truly an honor to... Um, be able to join the brother with questionable bash uh, history uh, podcast. <laughs> it, it's honestly, you know, it, it's awesome. And and I got to say, you know, I'm, I'm just so thankful that you brought me on to talk about this. Um, you know, winning that Grand Prix with yeah. Jessica Stoneblade was, was kind of one of the highlights of my Magic career. And I don't think I've had a chance to really... Um, to, to really talk about that, that deck on a podcast. And so, you know, it means a lot to me. Like, one of the... One of the major things at the time was um, all the Stone Blade and, and Control decks were were playing like Dig Through Time, um, but I felt like Treasure Cruise was just a far better card. Uh, so I decided to skew my Just Guy Stone Blade list to a more aggressive bent. Um, you know, opting for cards like Ataxian Probe, uh, even Young Pyromancer uh, to fuel with the Treasure Cruise uh, style of gameplay. Um, and, and it really paid off, you know, uh, and, and that format was so skewed, too, with like Cruise and Dig Through Time and so forth. I was actually main decking two copies of Pyroblast, uh, just, you know, such a such a blue format at the time. Um, kind of the Wild West days, you could even say, before they had to ban a number of those cards. Um, well, Br Brian, I'm I'm gonna have to stop you here. I swear, in our email when you agreed to be the special guest, you were an expert in Jeskai Stoneblade in Modern. We were we were, we were talking about Modern. This this sounds like a legacy deck. Yeah, yeah, it is. I I, uh, I won uh, I won the Legacy GP in 2014. I thought that's what we were talking about. No, we're talking about current Jeskai Stoneblade with Ragavan, you know, a card that you were a part of designing. Doesn't, doesn't ring it, a bell. Brian, I'm looking at your email right now. Did you lie to get yourself another podcasting job? No, I would never do that. My, re my resume is impeccable. <laughs> I would never yeah. embellish facts to land wow. a gig on a... What some call the hottest podcast in the game. I would never do that. <laughs> that is. Who's, who's saying this? Now are you lying about another thing? Tell me your sources to this. The Bash Bros podcast is the hottest <laughs> podcast in the game. Yeah, I've heard it like somebody just said oh. it right now. I, it's just something that I yeah, heard. How did it get into our podcast as well? Yeah, well, well, whatever. Brian, well, we got you here. Are you cool just talking about modern Jeskai Stoneblade as well as other modern decks? No, but I'll do it anyway. Uh -huh. All right, yeah. perfect. <laughs> so everyone, that's going to be the episode today. We're going to talk about modern, talk about um, just kind of catch up. You know, it has been a full fortnight since we've actually done a podcast. So we really want to just see what are the best decks right now, where the metagame is kind of heading. Um, you know, I know you got some questions to ask about modern. 
and and just just have a fun episode uh catching back up but before we get into it uh we do have one upcoming event that i want to bring up it is the insight esports is doing another open another 5k open but this time it is modern uh so you guys can check that out it's on saturday i believe at 11 a.m oh, let me double check this um it is at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and it's going to be sweet. I know they have a way where people that don't have cards for Magic Online can get a card hoarder pass for the day. I'm not positive on that. Check out um, the link in the description for the podcast, but it's going to be sweet. I'm going to be playing it, and you know what? I might even try Jeskai Stoneblade, but the modern version, BBD. Oh, okay, I was going to say, dude, if you yeah. want some tips, I got some sick sick tips on like when to probe when to you know yeah you know unfortunately your your stoneforge targets seem much worse in this legacy deck than in modern though right now you just have one batter skull and one gta i don't think gta is even remotely playable in modern let alone i don't know why it's banned you know yeah that that is one of modern's great mysteries is that a card that is probably at best a sideboard card is not legal in the format but who knows yeah and like a one of sideboard you know against some creature decks but i was having this argument on versus live too um where it's like even in these stoneforge decks as a sideboard against you know maybe humans or like you know noble hire style decks i think you would just rather want ee anyways which which i think is pretty funny yeah, it, it people have a very like um I don't know what the word is, like I, I feel like people have a very skewed perception of magic cards based on things that happened in the past without yeah. re, without reassessing based on the present. Um for example, I I'm gonna also just massively toot my own horn here, but I was a I was a huge proponent <laughs> of getting Stoneforge Mystic back into modern. Because I, I felt that the card was of a very modern power level. I mean, at the time, <clears throat> it wasn't even playable in Legacy anymore because the because the, things had progressed so much. Um, yeah, and I felt like it was it was certainly a card that was of a modern power level. And there was so much pushback. People were like, "No, it's just like it's such this. It's this absolutely busted <laughs> card. Like you can't you can't put that card in the format. It's gonna like ruin modern like or whatever." And it's like. Maybe that was true like nine years ago, but you know, like things have yeah. changed in magic and then they unbanned it and then it just didn't do anything. Although apparently now it's a good deck, but like, <laughs> but honestly, yeah. it's not, it's not even the most busted creature uh, in, in this Jeskai deck, you know, Ragavan is still absolutely insane and they're even printing, you know, ridiculous equipment to help out stoneforge you know calder complete yeah. being the newest one but it's still not like this card is absolutely busted and you know you still just like play stoneforge on two and your opponent can just kill you on turn three with like amulet or something you know so i think stoneforge is completely fine yeah and like the, the point i was getting to that is i think there's a lot of cards like that that people have this they, they have a very like <laughs> 2016 opinion of this card or like 2014 like from when yeah. Magic was a very different game and they just never update that opinion with new times or whatever. I think there's a lot mm -hmm. of cards in the modern ban list that very easily could be unbanned and maybe would not even impact the format at all if they were. And I, I, I think yeah. Jit is like massively number one on that list. Like, don't even think that yeah. card. I, I think people would play it in Stoneblade. 
it, it probably would even be a main deck card, but it wouldn't be. Um, I, I really don't think that that card is that impactful. Like it's, it's kind of takes yeah. a while to get it. it the, the earliest you're hitting with it is on turn three. A lot of games are over yeah. by then. People play lightning bolt in their deck. Like, yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it was a long time ago. Like, I don't know, like half a score ago or whatever. Mm. There was like, I was being attacked by like Savannah lions and dark confidants and stuff. So like GT was actually awesome because for, you connect once and you're taking out like two permanents, you know, like that was good. But the, I mean, the creatures now you have two mana, like six sixes and stuff. Like, what are you going to do? Like gain some life? <laughs> like, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't think GT was very good. And I think honestly, back in the day, the best use of GT, and this is going to really date us, but um, using GT to just kill your opponent's GT with legend rule. Like that was, that was the best that was GT was doing in like a control deck or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, that was even before my <laughs> time, but I did hear tales of that era. So yeah. Anybody who didn't remember back when legend rule worked, you'd play GT in your deck, even if like you didn't have creatures just to deal with your opponent's GTs. It was it was a, a wild time. If I'm not mistaken, they actually changed the legend rule in Kamigawa to that. The original, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure the original legend rule was if somebody had a legend in play, nobody else could cast that legend. So, oh, really? Yeah. So if you played a Chroma first, your opponents, Chromas were all dead cards until you killed it. Um, oh, okay, okay. And, and, and I believe with Kamigawa, because there were so many legends in that set, they realized that that wasn't really going to work as a rule. So what they ended up doing was um, making it so that if if you played a legend and your opponent had one, they, they killed each other off, basically. Yeah. Um, and and now it's and now it's back to what we're used to now, where you can have one legend on each side. Otherwise, you have to get rid of one. But yeah, legend rule, like if you, for whatever reason, played a second GT on accident, you know, maybe that's a bad example, but a legendary creature, they would just both die. <laughs> A weird time. Yeah, and there was also... Um, it worked weirdly with Planeswalkers for a while, too, where any Planeswalker... It was based on the Planeswalker name, not the Planeswalker itself. So there was... <laughs> really? Yeah. So two different Chandras would just take each other yep. out? So one of the big things that people did, because Jace the Mind Sculptor was was the dominant card in Standard for a long time, was, yeah. was people would play Jace Balaran. So that if you played your Jace Balaran before they played their Jace, the Mind Sculptor, they couldn't even get an ability out of it. They would just, both Jaces would kill each other when they played Jace, the Mind Sculptor. Or Weird. if they already had a Mind Sculptor in play, you could use a Balaran as like a three mana Dreadbore, basically. <laughs> it's so weird at the time but i mean I, I remember playing through those rules changes and i thought it was weird the other way i was like what you can just now like you can just play we can each have a jace that is stupid you know or you know but yeah, yeah now it's just so now, commonplace that that i remember i remember legacy when they first made that rule change where both players could have a thing and there were just jaces facing down across each other on the legacy table and it was like it was so weird. It it felt so foreign, and now it's just commonplace. So, and now with like the changes in with MPL and all that stuff, now legends just never die. Like you, you just stay in the MPL and rivals forever, and <laughs> that's the newest rule change. I was gonna say that legends only die. All all oh. legends are destroyed. So that's in 2022. Gotcha. But for now, legends never die, and they keep you they keep you playing even if you don't play Madden. I didn't realize that the uh, 
the next James Bond movie was out. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, legend, legends always die. <laughs> All right, so I suppose let's get to the topic here. Um, like I said, we're going to be talking modern um, and just talk about what decks I think are the best, what I would be playing, and what I think is essentially um, tier one. And, you know, first, BBD, like, what what have you been hearing about Modern? Or you been playing or watching deck lists or anything like that? I have been playing a lot of... Have you? World of Warcraft, the Burning Crusade Classic. <laughs> 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 I don't know okay. how that relates to this podcast, but I have been playing a <laughs> lot of that game. Um, hey, that's the modern World of Warcraft game, so... I have, yes, it is. I've been uh, <laughs> been leveling my professions and uh, farming a lot of primal fires. And I don't know how that relates to this format, but it somehow it does. Yeah. Okay, but, fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, I haven't really been following the format that much. Um, I do occasionally scroll through Twitter to see what people are saying, Um Mm -hmm. generally i regret doing that but sometimes i don't almost always yeah um <laughs> so I, i've occasionally I, I see people talking about the format sometimes um so i'm kind of coming at this with a lack of knowledge of modern um and some of the questions okay. that i had as somebody who hasn't really been following that closely is like a week ago everyone was losing their shit about urza saga um and and i'm, yeah, I'm kind of yeah. interested and like most people were saying like this card's broken needs to be banned and then a number of other people were saying um yeah it's really good but let's give it time and see what shakes out for you know with it which is kind of always mm -hmm. the two sides that people take when it comes to ban arguments um oh yeah but i'm curious like where is it now like so first, uh, I want to go to your point about bands. Like, honestly, it is just still my biggest pet peeve. It's like, I'll, I'll be streaming and people just come in and be like, hey, Corey, hey, chat, how's it going? And then just immediately be like, we should probably ban this card, right? And, and it's the same people that are like, Okay, whenever a card gets banned, they're like, yeah, we just keep we just keep making these super powerful cards that need a ban, like, great, you know? Like, people that are hating on bans are still the same people that are always calling for them. And it's like, you you can't have, you can't have both, right? Uh, I don't know, That that's just like my biggest pet peeve when it comes to bans. And I, I do think Urza's Saga is incredible. Like, it's, it's a great card and it's in a lot of different decks. But it does a lot of different things in these decks, you know, like it's being played an amulet um, where you almost never create constructs. Um, you have it in different food decks to go get cookbooks or witches ovens. Um, you know, I'm playing it in this grinding breach, um, grinding monkey breach, uh, a deck we'll talk about a little bit later. Um where, you know, it, it serves a lot of purposes. You can also, you know, get pithing needles um, to shut down your your opponent's uh, uh, different permanents. And so it's doing a lot of things, but it, it's in a lot of different decks. So it doesn't feel as like overpowered or repetitive. Like the games aren't bad or anything. So I don't think it should get a ban. And I mean, there's definitely plenty of cards that you can sideboard, um, you know, for instance, this Jeskai Stoneblade list that Canister top aided 
um, this last challenge with has just three wear terrors in the sideboard. Just a phenomenal card against this, being able to either hit Urza Saga or hit the constructs. Um, so or no, I, I don't think it, it, or both, yeah. So I don't think it should really get a ban, but it is incredibly good and in a lot of decks. Yeah, I, I've definitely had a number of people personally thank me for failing to adequately test that card because it has, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has really um, reinvigorated a number of tier two archetypes, it seems, or tier three yes. archetypes, or all these fringe decks that that kind of needed some juice uh, to be playable mm -hmm. in the format. Um, I've heard that that Urza Saga has kind of pushed those decks a bunch, and um, I don't know. I, I think that in in some regards, even if cards are a little pushed, sometimes they still are are fun, and they can still make a format interesting. And I guess yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who probably hate playing against Urza Saga. People always hate playing against the good cards for for obvious reasons because they win. You yeah. know, like the the good cards. Yeah, there, there's. There's people that hate playing against something all the time. You know, yeah. it's always one thing that, you know, and it it's like, I, I agree, you know, playing against yeah, Glorybringer back in standard, it was rough because that card was good, but, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't make a card completely broken. Just some people always hate playing against something in every format. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I think it is cool that some of those decks have been reinvigorated by this. Um. Yeah. Granted, if the card is like ubiquitous, if it if it's too good, if it's in every deck, it it it, it would it it would need to eventually be banned. But it kind of seems mm -hmm. like the format's shifting a little bit away from it. Um, like it's yeah, there's definitely definitely decks that are not playing it that are great decks. Yeah, there's still a lot of decks that are playing it that are great decks. But yeah, it seems like mm -hmm. I mean, and this is just me outside look of the format. Um, just from what I've seen, like I you know this isn't in depth, but yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the one thing about Urza Saga too that uh, would make it so I don't want to ban for it is just there's so many different ways that you can play that card. Like it's not always the same, you know. It's not always I make two constructs, um, I search up a bobble, um, even though maybe that's probably the most common thing in these decks. But everything is kind of different. Sometimes you you don't know if they're going to play a construct and they play it to fairy instead or it, it, it's a lot of different um scenarios that happen with this card if you're playing with it or against it and that leads to the replayability at least still being fun for me yeah i mean that that's that's very reasonable too like mm -hmm. um and, and i intend to like honestly like having that card it makes me interested to fire up some games of modern and i actually yeah. want to, for the replayability level of the deck that I play is, is actually incredibly high for the opponents because they get to play through mm -hmm. every land in their deck because uh, because I'm talking about Lantern Control. So oh yeah, high replayability <laughs> because the games go very long and they'll see tons of different cards throughout their throughout the game. In fact, they'll draw and they their will see deck, all, so. They will see all of their very, very good cards being put into their graveyard <laughs> and all their lands put directly into their hand. Yeah. It's it's very fun. I mean, there's a yeah, of land. <laughs> so lands are obviously powerful. People want to ban this land. land. It's, it's, I'm actually yeah. doing them a favor by giving them lands. Lands are clearly the most powerful car, uh, card type in Magic. I'm just... Yeah. I'm giving them what they should want. 
You know, I'm, <laughs> you're, you're giving the people what they need. It's, right. It might not be what they want, but it's what they need. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing a public service here and people hate me for it. It's so <laughs> fucked up. Like, God. Oh, man. I, and I will tell you, BBD, Lantern has made a comeback. I, I, it hasn't like won any event, but I lost to it twice uh, last week playing, playing random decks. So be happy about that. Oh, I am. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, the, the thought that I can play Lantern again actually makes me excited to to fire up some modern. Yeah, and honestly, I think the one thing that's really changed from when you played a lot of Lantern, because what, that was London around that time where you top-aided your Pro Tour, right? Like, I know you played Humans there, but you were playing a lot of Lantern around that time, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was mostly in, like, the three months prior to that rather than that specific time. But, yeah, I did I did play a lot of Lantern during that era. And back then it was, yeah. it was were, um, you know, it was, it was kind of a Grixis shell for lantern and my understanding is now people are playing green black lantern is that true yep that is okay. true yeah yeah i remember walking up in london to like see if you wanted to draft or something in our testing house and i'm like you know i walk up to your bedroom I'm like bbd you want to you want to play and you're just like I can't, I can't talk right now and i go look at your computer and it was like you were either in like an f6 clicking match of like you know to see what the time was at or it was like you guys were both gonna deck and it, you had to top deck time i i think it was the time thing where you were just in an f6 match you're like i'm gonna deck first but their clock is lower and you ended up like exactly getting a draw i think both of your clocks went to zero at the exact same time it was something ridiculous do you remember that i do vividly recall <laughs> this scenario uh so it was against a green black rock deck, uh, or maybe it was. Oh, just... and we should preface we should preface with the time frame. It was about I don't know seven twentieths of a score ago or so, right? Yes, it, this was. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. Ah, no, <laughs> this was about three twentieths of a score ago. Um, okay, okay, yeah, it wasn't a full score. I was playing, or it was a, or it was about. Um, 150-ish Fortnites <laughs> yeah. for anybody who is trying to convert it into Fortnite. So, yeah, now that we got that out, uh, yeah, do, do tell. Corey and I are <laughs> fully embracing our American heritage by only using <laughs> measurement systems that make no fucking sense. So we're yeah, on... just Fortnite and scores. Yeah, we measure time exclusively in Fortnites and scores now, so... <laughs> We were like, okay, let's take a break in between our pre-show and the podcast. I say, what should we do? Like, I don't know, one one hundredth of a fortnight, and then meet back. I think it's a lot longer of a time frame than you're thinking. That's like meeting back in like eh, a day or so. Yeah, not a day, but like a couple hours or yeah, something. It's like four hours. Yeah. Okay. All right. So one one thousandth of a fortnight. That's a short break. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So I was playing lantern because i thought about i was thinking about playing on the pro tour my opponent had ultimated liliana at least once maybe twice in the game <laughs> i had no hand and no permanence but they were scrambling to find a way to kill me before they timed out because their clock was hitting zero they I remember this they song. attacked me for lethal with some tireless trackers as their time went out and it declared the yeah. game to be a draw. So we drew the match. And so I ended up finishing the league two wins, two losses, and a draw, which they 
they didn't let me play a sixth match. So that was just my final league record. And I want to say state <laughs> that it was incredibly fucked up that I won no prizes from that because you get a prize if you go three and two and you don't get a prize if you go two and three. They never said anything about two, two and one. And I, <laughs> so it was just a loss for both of you? Confirm that you get jack shit if you go two, two and one in a league. It's fucked up is what it is. It's absolutely well, Brian, fucked up. I got great news for you. Two, <laughs> two great things of news uh, in the modern day of, well, new modern on Magic Online. One, you could have had Urza Saga in your lantern deck, which could have searched you a pithing needle to say, name Liliana so you would have re regained your permanence yes. in lantern. That's the first good news. Second good news, you can now go two and three and get half your entry back. So... If you'd be playing leagues to this day, you would have got 50 play points. Damn. Damn. Yeah. yeah. And and I mean, honestly, you left Magic during the golden age of leagues. I mean, you're you're really messing up there, bud. I know. I really am. Um, some would say the golden age was when they had gold cues. Do you remember gold cues? I don't. What were those? Uh, gold cues were a... <laughs> Oh, was it just two-person yeah, battles? Was, <laughs> I don't know if it was predatory, but it was just very high-stakes magic online for no reason. Where <laughs> instead of playing, because it used to be both players put in a pack, you could play one, like you could just, instead of joining a league or, because um, they didn't even have leagues back then, your options were to play in a daily event, which fired at very specific oh, yeah. times and required you to be there for every round, kind of like a tournament. Or yeah, or an eight man, right? Or you, you could do eight mans that function like normal eight, eight player drafts. Uh, or they're not eight mans anymore; they're eight player. Um, be a little yeah, more they'd be single elimination. But... Yeah, they'd be yeah, yeah. Good, good, good call. Uh, they'd be like single elimination events, but you had to play all three of your rounds at the time. So like you'd get buys in the final sometimes. Like your opponent just had to like go to school or something. You yeah. Know? <laughs> or you could just queue up 1v1 against people. And if you queued up 1v1, each player had to pay, like, put each player put a pack in. And then whoever won got, <laughs> like, some amount of prizes that were less than two packs worth. Like, it wasn't very <laughs> fair. I don't know. There was a lot. There's huge rake there Magic Online was taking in. But they also had gold well, queues, which <laughs> gold queues were, instead of each player puts in one pack, basically to play uh or i think it was each player had to put in two tickets that's what it was each player put in two yeah. tickets and whoever won got one pack but sometimes oh yeah but the gold ones you actually put in your pink slip for your car pink, yeah. right you just played for yeah you just played for slips but sometimes the pack that you won was worth less than two tickets so both yeah. players are putting in four tickets of value and the winner is getting like 1.6 tickets back <laughs> less than their entry key for winning. But yeah. And people were still raging if they lost like, wow, luck sack. Like yeah, enjoy your, enjoy your pack of time spiral. Enjoy, enjoy losing 40% of your entry fee to win this match. Um, but then they had, gold, yeah, gold cues were just five X. Oh so yeah, each player put in 10 tickets and the winner got five, packs so if you had a deck that was so people would only play the gold cues if they thought they had like broken the format or they had like a killer deck because it, so, yeah. it was so expensive to play them and you like 
you know, you could, cause you could just play, like, I, if I play five matches in one hour, that's 50 ticks. That's a lot, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's yeah. like $50 worth or whatever. Like it was real easy to just spew everything on gold cues. But if you had a really good deck, you could also make a lot, um, really yeah, fast. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> Things have changed a well, lot I mean, honestly, since then. Well, they had to take a big rake like that because do you remember back in the day when it was like eight man drafts? It would just have the avatars. It would show them visually like around the table. Yeah. I mean, that could not have been cheap, man. You gotta you gotta pay for those sweet graphics. That's true. Everyone's default was Birds of Paradise. <laughs> I like to use Obsidian Ghost Council personally, but <laughs> there was no way there was an Obsidian back then. Not that far back, that but they did have one eventually. <laughs> Yeah, God, I mean, yeah, that was, that was probably when they actually had that version. I don't know, maybe like 11 20ths of a score ago or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of the score talk and enough of our nonsense talk. Should we talk about the mo the current modern metagame? Yes, yeah, so another question I, I wanted to ask was, oh yeah, like, sure. what else is redefining the format? So I, everyone was losing their shit about Urza Saga. Yeah. It seems like it's still very powerful card and, and a big player in modern. Maybe not quite mm -hmm. band level, but still still pretty pretty uh, strong. Like, what else is there? Like, I've heard people talking about Regavan. I've seen people say that Regavan is the best one drop of all time. That seems a little <laughs> hyperbolic to me, but clear, clearly, it's I don't good. know. So let me talk about this monkey okay. because this monkey is kind of bananas right mm. now. I must say. So far, I started with Regavan in a Underworld Breach uh, grinding station deck. Like you may think like that, that seems like a weird um, card to include in that style of deck. Yeah. And it is, but um, what Regavan allowed is the interaction with Mox Amber. Then you just have another legend that adds mana for you. And you could even, you know, if you're on the play, I guess you don't even have to be on the play, but you can win on turn two with Ragavan in your deck. It actually speeds up your combo because you can attack with Ragavan on turn two, get a treasure, um, play Mox Amber, Underworld Breach, Grinding Station, um, and just win the game. You know, you get Mox Amber a ton of times, eventually get Chromatic Star to turn that red into blue, and then Thassa's Oracle. So um, it, it sped up the combo. And so, I was having a lot of success with the- Explain the oh, combo. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure I understand how it works, but still explain it to people mm. who maybe don't know how it works. Okay, yeah. So this deck, um, I, you know, I it was my first deck that I kind of was innovating on um, in modern here. And the combo is you put Underworld Breach into play, and then you have Grinding Station, which Grinding Station is sack an artifact, mill three cards, and Underworld Breach, you get rid of three cards to cast a spell um, to escape it from the graveyard, and you sack Mox Amber, and then bring it back, whatever the three cards you mill, you exile those three cards as long as it's not Thassa's Oracle, uh, bring back Mox Amber, add a mana, uh, Grinding Station untaps, then you sack the Mox Amber again, mill three cards, bring Mox Amber back, Grinding Station untaps, add a red, sack it, or add a blue if you have Emery. Um, eventually you do have to have a legend because unless, unless you have just two mana laying around, then you can combo off with Bobble too. Um, anything that costs zero mana. Or Engineered Explosive. But you mill, or Engineered Explosive, exactly. And then you mill your whole deck, 
And then eventually, let's say if you just have Regavan and Mox Amber, you will have to use Chromatic Star to turn that red into blue. And then you Thassa's Oracle with no deck and you win the game. That's the combo. Yeah, the, the main thing there is the grinding station on taps when an artifact comes into play. So you can just, yeah, you can activate the same grinding station a million times in the same turn. Exactly. And another thing that works quite well, it's also an Urza deck. So I know you you are already uh, loving it now, BBD. I do love me Urza. And Urza with Grinding Station is just awesome. So you can play Urza uh, as it comes into play before your Construct comes into play. Add a blue with Grinding Station. Artifact comes into play untapped. Add another blue. Um, so like, let's say you have two Grinding Stations going. You can essentially activate Urza as long as you keep hitting artifacts and just keep spinning and eventually, you know, maybe get lucky, hit Underworld Breach and just win the game that way. I've activated Urza on like turn five, five or six times in one turn uh, with two grinding stations, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Like mm -hmm. Urza is just a, an incredibly powerful card. Honestly, Urza is an yep. example of a card that was like, this is kind of on a tangent, but like pe people mm -hmm. complain about cards being too powerful. And I do feel that magic as a whole has ha there. There's a massive power creep shift in magic. Wait, are you saying Savannah lions and Ragavan? Like there's a big power jump in those two ones for one. Yeah, but they're about the same card, but yeah, like, okay, okay. you know, there's a huge, there's a huge power creep shift, but also like without printing powerful cards sometimes like magic just isn't fun like every time they print like an ixalan block it's like magic just isn't that mm -hmm. fun um so yeah. it is important to, and like i think urza is a great example of a card that's like a kind of obscenely powerful but mm -hmm. i i think it's just been a really fun card uh since it's been around yeah. like and urza has uh gotten cards banned on the back of it yeah. you know i think astrolabe being one of them I, I think that's an incredible card but without the dominance of these urza oko decks i don't know if that card would have actually got banned you know maybe but maybe, yeah, not. maybe not i don't know yeah um but i totally agree urza is one of my favorite cards and in fact is my favorite card in modern uh it's absurdly powerful but it also costs four you know so i don't think it's it's overly busted now but urza is one card that just got a shot in the arm um with all these asmore food decks you know urza goes pretty nicely into those because urza was always extremely good whenever you could play it and then have enough mana to interact or do something else yep. But with, without Mox Opal, without Astrolabe, you just weren't putting enough artifacts into play where, like, at best, you would go, like, Urza and maybe, like, have a mana leak up or something. But now if you can go Urza and have, like, Cryptic available, it's just incredible. And Mox Amber is it's <clears throat> certainly no Mox uh, Opal, but mm -hmm. it is still a great card. And if there's enough Legends to support it, it it's, it's pretty, like, it's pretty good. It does a good impersonation. And like yes. Emery and, and Urza are two incredible blue <coughs> creatures that already support Mox Amber. So getting another one in, in like Regavan is kind of a big deal. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, so getting getting back to this Breach deck, um, the full list is it, it is an Urza Saga list where you can search up Mox Amber, uh, Mistress Bobble. I have one Chromatic Star just in case you have... Um, just red mana with Regavan, like I was describing earlier. Aether Spellbomb to be able to interact. And then one Pithing Needle as targets. 
And then just Serum Visions, Regavans, Galvanic Blasts, Underworld Breach and Grinding Station, which is the combo, the One Thassa's Oracle, Emery Urza, and then I think one of the biggest reasons that this deck is actually really good, and that's three engineered explosives in the main, already works extremely well with Grinding Station, uh, and then even the fourth in the sideboard. But EE is just incredible right now. Like there's so much Urza Saga, there's so many Asmore food decks, um, you know, that you just completely blow them out. Uh, with with engineered explosives, you know, even humans is running around, which it's great against. Uh, Amulet now plays a lot of one drops um, because of the inclusion of Urza Saga in them. So that's one of the low key, really great reasons to play this. Is it under the world breach deck? But Ragavan being another thing, um, being able to play that on turn one and and actually connect where you're ramping plus getting some card selection from your opponent is really, really good. Um, but since then, to get back to what we were actually talking about as far as Regavan goes, I started playing it in the Jeskai Stoneblade deck and I just realized I've been Regavanning wrong after, after I did that. I have some Galvanic Blast for interaction, but this Jeskai deck where you can, um, you know, force a negation the turn you play it, you have Prismatic Ending, which is incredible, and Lightning Bolt as ways to push through, it it puts Regavan on a whole nother level. It, it really showed me that Regavan is a card that you need to have a lot of removal with and interaction, and then that card just takes over on its, on its own in half the matchups. Um, so I, I think Ragavan is incredible, but you can't just put it in any kind of red shell and expect it to be as busted. It's still good in this Underworld Breach deck, but you really need to be backing it up with removal. Um, and then it's just, it, I, I would say the best one drop ever printed as well. One drop creature, you know, I'm not going to go step on uh, Recall's foots or anything. You think but. Ragavan is better than Death Road Shaman? All right, Death Road Shaman. <laughs> Honestly, I, I can't say with all, you know, personal experience because I never really did play with Death Red at all, to be sure. honest. I, I didn't play Legacy at that time, um, so I haven't seen it firsthand how good it was, but of course I've seen the deck list, and yeah, that's probably a good one. But I would say it's close. I would say it's close. The funny thing about this, this, uh, this Jeskai modern deck is, mm -hmm. you know, you were mocking me for talking about a 2014 <laughs> legacy jeskai deck this deck no. does not look very different from the 2014 legacy <laughs> jeskai deck that i played it really doesn't like it legitimately <laughs> i think this deck would kick that legacy deck's ass probably it would it probably would yeah but it, it really it looks a lot the same there's stoneforge mystic with lightning bolts prismatic ending where there's there was sorts of plowshares Ragavan yeah. with his Young Pyromancer. I mean, Ragavan's probably a lot better than Young Pyromancer. I mean, I'm at, if I got to play with Ragavan oh, yeah. in that deck, I mean, I would have been miles better than Young Pyromancer. For and sure. Stuff. I mean, you have better equipment than I was fetching up. You have Force of Negation where I'd Force a Will. I, I don't know. Like, it, like honestly, yeah. like, it, it doesn't look that much uh, different than... I mean, there's no <laughs> treasure cruise. That's kind of a big loss, but... You got Jace, I guess. That's uh, That's all you got. Yeah, I suppose Cruz was uh, was pretty good in that GP. It was. I played against a lot of non-Treasure Cruise decks, and they did not win against me. So, <laughs> Was that in your pursuit for the World Championship? Was that that year? That was the year 
two years before. Two years before. Okay. So you were, you were just a nobody, huh? You were not, you weren't Brian Brown doing world champion by then. I wouldn't say I was a nobody. I was still Brian Brown doing. Oh, you were still Brian Brown. Okay. I I didn't know if you, you know, legally changed your name to Brian Brown doing after you won worlds or if you were still Brian before that. Okay. So I'm glad we cleared that up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I don't think Ragavan we haven't really been hearing much band talk about Ragavan. I mean, I don't know. I, that's a lie because we literally heard on Versus Live someone calling for a, a Magmatic Channeler or not Magmatic Channel. What's the one drop Dragon called Rage again? Channeler or whatever. Yeah, Dragon. Someone's like, we need to ban this Dragon Rage Channeler, and I'm just like, just ban that person from the chat right now, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> like, come on. Um, but no, I think Ragavan's really good. And I think before we get too in depth on decks, here's where I got it as like, at least my top four cards in Modern Horizon that have impacted Modern. I still don't really know the top five, the fifth spot, but I would say the best card or most influential one as far as how many decks it's in is Urza Saga at the top, then Ragavan, then Asmore, and then honestly Channeler. Channeler has looked incredible in a lot of these prowess style decks, um, you know, Channeler, um, wait, is that what it's called? I, th- I feel like I keep saying the wrong name. I think it's name. Dragon Rage Channeler, but maybe that's not it. Uh, Dragon Rage Channeler, yeah, okay. So Dragon Rage Channeler with Luris and Bobble has fit the mold in a lot of decks. You know, <laughs> Aspiring Spike, um, I don't know if you, you've heard of this young man. He has been innovating a lot as far as modern goes and has basically started every single deck with Channeler, <laughs> Mox Opal, Luris and your companion, and then just think of another another set of cards to play. And uh, he's had a lot of success. Yeah, with I, 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 uh, I may be old and washed up, but I do follow him on Twitter. <laughs> I think he has really good insights into the modern format, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's truly aspiring to be a spike too. Like it's uh, it, it's quite it's impressive. Possible he's reached spike status. <laughs> he might be a spike. I, is he aspiring to be a world champion, Brian Brondoen? At this point, is that the next level? That's, like that's after like spike, many levels below at this point. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> okay, always, okay, that's okay. been surpassed long ago. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, that's it, that's really interesting to me. Like that those that those are the top cards. Ragavan, I could have predicted. Mm-hmm. I that was on my short list of cards. I thought was a little uh, above the power level of what I felt comfortable printing. Had I <laughs> if I had the reins to modernizes too. Yeah, what would be your top four cards before the set was given to us that you would think would have been the biggest problem? The cards that I was the most afraid of before the set came out were uh, it was it was Ragavan, um, uh, what is it? That dragon? What's it called? Uh, Sion of Draco. So, yeah, Sion right? Draco. That's it. I. Yeah, which has not seen play at all, and I'm still shocked. So those those two cards, and then the other two cards were the uh, Enchantress creature that makes mana based on the number of enchant enchantments you control, and <laughs> the O two, and yeah. the one that uh, the two mana Enchantress that draws cards. Oh, the creature, yeah. right? Those were the two cards. Those two cards terrified me when we were when we were. Uh, testing them so those are the four cards you know, that i that was is... those are the four cards that i would that i thought might be too good for modern and i guess only 
so far only one of those four cards has really fit that bill but yeah and you're just like urza saga that card's fine i mean i didn't really know <laughs> you know like we yeah, yeah that card went through a lot of changes um like yeah. Honestly, though, that's that's pretty interesting about the Enchantress cards, because I remember back in the day, you know, these Enchantress prison style decks were really, really strong. And and, you know, it's weird that it's no longer like that. Yeah. You know, I, I even played Enchantress on Versus Live yesterday. And, uh, you know, I did cast an Emrakul on turn five. So I hope you're you're happy about that using that mana creature. Um, but. You know, there's just so many ways to deal with sticky permanence these days on pretty reasonable cards. You know, you have Skyclave Apparition, you have Assassin's Trophy, Abrupt Decay, um, Prismatic Ending. You have decks that can just kill through Solitary Confinement now. You know, like the Yawgmoth combo, that's another deck that has been doing quite well. You can just draw Messenger them over and over. Pretty much every deck has a way to get that card off or sidestep it or, you know, not really care about it. Like it used to just be like cryptic command bouncing these things. And I, I just think magic is at a point now where threats are incredible. Cause like you said, power creep has to, you just have to keep printing good cards to keep magic interesting. Uh, otherwise we just kind of play with the same cards over and over. And, you know, we, we see that in standard right now where nobody cares right now. Nobody cares. Nobody's having fun because Throne of Eldraine is just, we've been playing the same shit for, you know, so long. And the format's quote unquote good because, you know, there's a lot of different decks to play. Metagames are still kind of changing, but it's boring, right? Like nobody really wants to play it. And that's what happens if you don't print really good uh, cards. But now in Magic, we're also printing incredible answers which is also needed because if you get just incredible threats without good answers, you fall into like Oko, yeah. right? You know, like Oko didn't have great answers. We had Fry when it ticked up to six and shit like that, you know? So there has to be incredible answers and that leads to decks like Lantern, like uh, Enchantress, all these prison style decks where it's a house of cards if you deal with one of the pieces where, you know, you deal with solitary confinement, <laughs> you're probably gonna die pretty quick. Um, it just leads to those decks not being as good anymore, uh, which I still think is pretty good because those decks are also really unfun to play yeah. against. Sorry, BBD. I know you are, are a Lantern. I know you like ruining people's day via Lantern control. Well, but... I enjoy playing Lantern. I, I find Enchantress to be like the least fun magic possible. So like I, yeah. I do I do sympathize with that. Like I, I, I think that was one of the things that I even said a lot when I was, uh, when I was um, helping work on the set was like, the danger with these cards being too good is that you're making one of the least fun decks in magic history, like a really good deck. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's yeah. kind of a, kind of a little bit of a problem. Um, yeah, but honestly, I, I'm kind of, I mean, and maybe I'm off base here, but I kind of wonder if people are doing their due <coughs> diligence with that deck, because I would not think solitary confinement would be the way that I would go if I was building enchantress. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think it's very good. Like, um what would you try because so, like when we, well i i think um i think just turbo like uh like tur kind of not really ramp but like you know utopia sprawl all that turbo stuff and then heliod ballista mm -hmm. like mm. 
Interesting. Yeah, I guess Heliod is uh, still an enchantment. Yeah, that was like, basically that was the version of the deck that, that I was playing, and I think some other people played it. I think Sam Black had a, had a few versions as well that looked a little different, but were roughly this similar style. That's that's what we were yeah. using. Like, I mean, I also tried a bunch of Solitary Confinement in various decks, and they just never seemed very good. But, like, the main version mm. that we had been testing at Watsi was, was like, Heliod Ballista with all that stuff, and it it seemed incredibly good because you do all this stuff and you're drawing, you're, you're drawing a lot of extra cards. You're, you know, if they don't kill that two drop that makes mana, it makes an obscene amount of mana. And then, it really and then does. um, you know, what's nice to use with an obscene amount of mana, like walking ballista, <laughs> Heliod, like that kind of yeah, stuff. Actually that does. Yeah. Or even uh, maybe a card package is pushing it. Um, but, th but that does seem kind of sweet. Like the list, these days, the only one that's seen a little bit of success is just a Naya version that's playing, you know, just red for Blood Moon. And then it it kills with either Destiny Spinner or Emrakul, um, just a one of to just kind of eventually draw after you've drawn enough card and, and lock your, per, your opponent out with Solitary Confinement. And I, I just don't think it's good enough. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy I don't to break think that up. Was like, yeah, that wouldn't be the way that I would look at it. Because, like, the, the other advantage of, of like, the doing the Heliod Ballista thing is that you got to play a game where you could still just win the game. Like, your opponent thought seizes the shit out of you, prismatic endings, all your stuff. You can still just win mm -hmm. the game with Heliod ballista you know like you still just it only yeah. takes two cards to win um even if all that shit happens yeah. like you, you know it's not like you need to like it's like okay i drew destiny spinner as my only cre like only enchantment like uh, you know or whatever it's like i drew an emrakul and i have yeah i have one enchantment and play in four lands like i'm never you know like i don't know like, yeah and honestly <laughs> i mean think of this i i forget the name but the green uh, white card you were just talking about uh, that draws a card and gains a life. You play that on two. Heliod on three. Attack for two. Yep. Gotcha. No, that that was actually very <laughs> relevant. Was was yeah. um you could like was that interaction was was super relevant as well. Like yeah, no, that actually seems <laughs> kind of sweet. Hmm. Okay. Well, Brian, we need you to get back into magic <laughs> to build this deck and terrorize the modern cues because right now one thing that is also pretty weird is heliod company went from being the best deck or second best deck uh next to is it prowess before modern horizons 2 to completely fell off the face of the earth you just like rarely see even a single deck that's still in in a challenge that's playing that and it's it's kind of crazy to me because it, it's not like it got that much worse um the answers got a lot better. Like, I think the whole reason with that deck, why that deck was so good, is Heliod was just pretty much unkillable. And now there is actually kind of a lot of ways to just deal with that. You know, Prismatic Ending gets yep. it. Um, <clears throat> you know, and you can... Urza Saga searches up Pithing Needles for Ballistas. Like, the new set did not do that deck any favors, but you'd think it'd still be around a little bit. Yeah, that was actually kind of a... When you were saying that the top decks were is it prowess and heliod combo um that because mm -hmm. we we had talked we had done a few preview episodes and the enchantress cards had yet to be previewed and they were mm -hmm. in the forefront of my mind when you were saying that heliod combo was one of the best acts and i was like oh god did we fuck oh, up god. <laughs> <laughs> i was like heliod oh. interesting that that would be one of the fuck <laughs> yeah 
yeah. Shit. But it seems like it's fine, or oh. I don't know. Maybe it just hasn't been explored that much, or maybe it has, and maybe it's fine. And that would be cool. I that would be yeah. the best scenario is if people have been playing, trying that out, and it is just fine or not even that good. Because I, I I I'm okay with Stoneblade being the best deck, or um, you know whatever like as more type stuff like that to me that's interesting uh and you know or prowess i think you know those decks being the best deck i think that's totally fine um but stuff like like enchantress being the best deck i even think amulet being the best deck is is kind of not that fun for magic so yeah yeah amulet is quite incredible and honestly you you have uh you have motivated me to try and build a Heliod Enchantress deck. I, th- I think my next stream, I'm I'm gonna give it a shot because it does just sound sweet, you know. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. But um, speaking of Amulet, um, you know, we talked about what we think is gonna be or what is the top four influential, most influential cards for Modern Horizon Two. Um, the decks that I think are tier one, we're we're finally starting to see a meta game after having a bunch of challenge results for like three weeks. Um, and, and two of them each weekend. And I think the only tier one decks, and I think there's more tier one decks in modern right now than I think there ever have been. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's any rules to how many tier one decks you can actually have, but I, I think the more options you have, the more fun that, uh, modern really is. And right now it modern's incredible. Like it is such a blast leagues i it's very rare if you play against the same deck twice like it's legitimately rare uh and challenge it gets a little bit more condensed you play the better decks a little bit more but it's still great you know like there's still a lot of different tier one decks and i think the tier one list in no particular order is is it prowess with uh dragon rage channeler as the new addition um the deck was already incredible and now you just get that card as another one drop for consistency purposes um amulet titan which i think is in the conversation for best deck that and jeskai stoneblade would be my guess as best but both tier one amulet um has now turned into a deck uh mostly on the shoulder of canister adding abundant harvest to the deck and his his thought process was just amulet is at its best when it's just extremely consistent And I totally agree with it. And it seems like the way that you should go, I think people that are playing Karn and stuff like that, even with Urza Saga and, you know, all these artifact decks running around, I just don't think it's good. Um, So I I like that version. It still gets to play Urza Saga to search up amulets, gives it that level of consistency. Um, And then Jeskai Stoneblade, uh, we talked a lot about that. Uh, Just Ragavan, Stoneforge Mystic, blue cards, interaction. I think that deck is incredible. I just wanna, and I'll then you for a short yeah, second. I saw people comparing Abundant Harvest to Preordain on Twitter, and I was like, "Am I like what the hell is going on in Magic these days?" It's like <laughs> I am so yeah, I know really that's like, fucking it's crazy. Like, it's so much better than Preordain. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know why they would compare. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's a, it, I'm just like, man, I am so uh, I am so out of the loop. If if Abundant Harvest is better than Preordain. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. That that's another card I really didn't play with a ton either. Like you know, it, it's it's obviously insane, 
but I didn't play a lot with it. Like it really dominated Legacy, and that's about it, right? Like it was banned in Modern pretty quick. Uh, it dominated the shit out of Standard, except for Shaheen Sarani. One player did not dominate with it in Standard. Everyone else did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Shaheen Sarani. Like I don't know how much Magic he's playing right now, but damn, his control unplayable with I, with all these decks. Like listen to this tier one list of. Amulet, Jeskai Stoneblade, Food Variants, Is It Prowess, um, and I would say even Demir Food is probably the best, but look at those four decks as what I think are all tier one, and they're just all extremely proactive, powerful decks that can win the game like through counter spells, right? Like, you know, Amulet has Cavern, uh, half of these decks have Urza's Saga, a control player's nightmare. You know, just just getting free four four five fives, whatever. It's just a Shaheen Sarani nightmare. It, it would I, I seem. Could think, I could see control being pretty good against the prowess decks. I think that's always been a matchup that like a prepared control player can can be pretty good against those kinds mm -hmm. of decks. The food decks, yeah. I can see that decks too. Probably yeah. pretty tough. Like the Asmore decks would be. I could see them being pretty tough. But even yeah. Amulet's a deck that, like, um, I guess, I guess Cavern kind of makes that a problem. But like, um, yeah. But I mean, there is subtlety. There is Aether Gust for it, which uh, are are helpful blue answers. Yep. But but yeah, honestly, all these decks that are not is it prowess? It makes sense why they're doing good because honestly, all three of them have pretty decent is it prowess matchups, or at least is like very competitive. And uh, you know, I I think that's one deck that went from like very close to him in the conversation for best deck to like barely hanging on tier one status. In, in my opinion, I, I think decks are really trying to, are starting to figure out how to beat these hyper aggressive aggro shells. And honestly, this is a prowess deck is like the only aggro deck um, that's in the format these days. Um, the, the answers are just so strong. Every deck is going so far over the top. Asmore just crushes aggro. Yeah. That's the one thing we're really lacking in modern now is just good aggro decks. Humans has been popping up a little bit, but you know, it's it's barely knocking on like tier two's door or something. But what about Heaven's Door though? It's knock knock knocking on Heaven's Door for Excellent. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, to me, like I, I would see um like these food decks and just think like it, I could see why it's hard for an aggressive deck to be good in a format where there's those food decks because food, mm -hmm. those those kinds of like grindy recursive kill creature type decks. I mean, I, I have to imagine they just demolish aggressive decks. Like, yeah, and you're you're one hundred percent right. You know, um, and like especially this, especially the Golgari one. Uh, I think there's two food decks right now that are in the conversation for the best ones. Um, and that is a list that Jerry T wrote about and talked about on his podcast. And he was just super hyped about it. And it's just the Golgari package with Trail of Crumbs, uh, Gilded Goose, Cat Oven, and then your usual suspects. But Trail of Crumbs is just absolutely obscene in these decks. Uh, and that was kind of the missing piece to give these decks longevity. And then the other one, uh, Kane Reinhardt, I believe I'm saying his name correctly, top aided uh, the challenge this last weekend with a really cool Demir uh, Asmore deck and just plays Emery, Asmore, uh, Daredevil, a lot of thought monitors. 
And Thought Monitor is insane. You can you can be playing that card on like turn two, turn three for one mana. Um, just incredible. Then you have Street Ray to help out Asmors, uh, the cookbooks, obviously, Bobbles, some Thought Cast, a couple Urza, and then some Metallic Rebukes. So pretty straightforward. The deck doesn't look like it just jumps off the page, but it really plays out super smooth. And then you have Urza Saga, of course, in, in both of these shells. But I think people are really starting to lean on this Demir food package. One, because I think it's just one of the most fun decks I've ever played. <laughs> I, I really enjoy playing it. Um, and and I, I think it, it's pretty good, but I would think one of those decks uh, is in competition for the best food deck as well. Like You look at this Demir deck on paper, having not played with it, and it looks like an absolute pile of shit. <laughs> it it really so, does. It's like you, have like you have like six artifacts in your deck, and you got like thought monitors and all this other stuff. But then yeah. you like, if you think about it critically, you're like, okay, Underworld Cookbook's going to make a ton of artifacts. That's going to let you yeah. pass like rebukes for cheap, thought monitors for cheap. And then you're going to draw mm -hmm. these extra cards that let you keep activating the cookbook and all this stuff. I could see why this deck would be, this deck looks very good after you take the time to critically examine it. Like I, I can, I yes. could, uh, I could imagine this deck being, being very, very good in this format, but just on paper, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's just a pile of garbage <laughs> cards. Like, uh. yeah, I, I love that modern horizon Two brought a lot of decks to be playing like, 14 or 15th pick draft cards, you know, like Daredevil. Yeah. Like there, there's just a lot of shitty cards that are in decks now just because they work extremely well with, you know, with other cards. I kind of want to play this Jeskai yeah. Stoneblade li list. I, number one, I love yeah. Stoneblade and I love Jeskai decks in particular. Like those uh -huh. are two of my- Same. I think it's my favorite color combination. It, it's it's high up there for me. I don't know if, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. Yeah. I think I like- would you say it would be Esper? It, it, it would be, yeah. But Jeskai is a close second to Esper. Um, but yeah. when it comes to Stoneblade, I actually prefer Jeskai to Esper. I don't, I don't know why. I, I kind of think playing a more proactive Stoneblade deck generally is better. But I, mm -hmm. uh, this deck looks looks really awesome to me. But the main reason I want to play it. Is because I unabashedly love the card to Fairy Time Raveler, and everyone else hates that Same. card so much, and I Same. just want to fuck people with it. <laughs> I just want to make people hate it's their so life because I yes. think the card is is awesome, and everyone else like absolutely despises it. And the card that I think is way worse than Teferi, and it gets no appreciation, is Narset. Narset, oh, I think, yeah. is so much more egregious than Teferi. And I, I feel like I'm like by myself on that hill and I will die on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm with you on that. I like Teferi too. And especially with like all these Cascade into Rhinos, Cascade Living End decks that are floating around. I have just been obliterating people. Like play that card and they concede kind of matches and it's oh, just glorious. Beautiful. Nothing. <clears throat> yeah, I think this Jeskai Stoneblade deck and the Demir Food deck are both bbd decks that you would actually enjoy i think i think if you gave yourself some time to uh get off the world of warcraft streets and in back into the leagues you uh would actually enjoy yourself yeah i think i would the problem is is my primal might cooldown comes up in about uh yeah 0. 0.07 of a fortnight so i don't think i'll, I don't think I'll <laughs> okay. have the time to, okay. to, to play any modern but yeah, that's fair. Those warthogs aren't going to slay themselves in WoW or whatever the hell you do over there. Warthogs? 
We talking? Oh, I don't know. There's got to be some more talking, talking somewhere Halo right? now. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh. Well, well, I think that is pretty much all uh, I want to talk about for modern. Just really wanted to uh, our first episode back uh, dip into modern and just give a broad stroke. Of, of what the best decks are. And then next week, you know, hopefully we'll have Brad back and we can really um, <laughs> dive into, dive into- uh, so Next week we can hopefully have Brad back and we can actually talk intelligently about any of these decks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, hopefully we'll have Brad back and we can talk modern. And honestly, it's D&D preview time for next week as well. So we're gonna have some new cards to talk about. Uh, for another set already, isn't isn't that crazy that it's already time? Do you know what D D stands for? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I thought it was D and D's nuts. Oh, got him! <laughs> I, I actually have to yeah. briefly tell a. I don't know why I just I, I have to do it. A a a World oh, of Warcraft do. story of um. There's a lot of so my character's a warlock, and there's a lot of viable. Um, tal damn it, I was close. Warlog, war, warlock, warhog. I was, I was yeah, really close. Eh, not too far <laughs> off. There's a lot of viable like <laughs> talents, specializations you can go as as a warlock right now. And there's okay. one of them that just kind of was a new one that started popping up that wasn't really one that was on the radar before, and it's just called DN. And um, because okay. they all have abbreviations for them, and people are like. Uh, people would jump into the Warlock Discord and be like, I keep seeing people talking about this spec, like, what is DN? And then everyone's just like, D's nuts. And it literally just stands for <laughs> D's nuts. So you could just troll wow. people into asking what's DN, and then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds yep. about right that sounds about right i'm i understand why you love this game this oh, much yeah. if you can if you can troll people while playing a game it i mean is, that's perfect and you know who does no one does that best <laughs> better than teferi time raveler so you're damn <laughs> right let's slow down these nuts yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> Okay, well, um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Like we said, in, uh, you know, half a fortnight, we're going to have the new D&D set. So we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week when we got hopefully the full gang back. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if everything actually happens. Are you that suggesting way. that next week's episode could be an actual Bash Bros podcast episode with the... Yeah, the brother who bashes, and even last week it was nobody bashing nobody with no special guests. So like, we're adding a person each time. I think we might even be back to our full power next yeah, week. It's uh, it's, it's uh, curious that the most, uh, the person with the best defendants on the Bash Bros podcast is special guest Brian Brown. Do it. <laughs> well, that's because you keep lying in your emails to get on the podcast. You said you were a modern Jeskai Stoneblade expert. I mean, I don't even want to go into all the excuses you you used to that, get on this that cast. That just turned out to be true because the Stoneblade deck that I played is actually at an even or lower power level than the one being played now. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. All right. <laughs> All right, everyone. So that's going to do it for the episode. Now, this brings us to 
our favorite part of the episode, and that is the mm -hmm. casting crew. The casting crew is a group of, and you know what? A large group at this point. We are we are starting to really gain a ton of people, but this is our our um, some of our top supporters. So we thank them so much. It is our $20 tier, which you can be a part of at uh, patreon.com slash Bass Bros Podcast, I think, more than likely. Um, and you can join and then we give you a job and you pay us every week to fulfill that free yes. labor. Sounds great, doesn't it? It sounded great for a lot of people because we are what some might call quiver full with... Uh with members of our cast and crew, so. Yeah, sure, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna start off with a new member of the cast and crew. We're pretty hyped about this. And this is Adam. And uh, Adam is BBD's personal hype man. BBD, you have a hype nice. man now. How exciting I'm is that? hyped for it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Adam's job is to just stand behind BBD at all times, mic in hand, and hype the shit out of whatever BBD says. So like, you know, BBD is uh, making some some butt jokes on World of Warcraft, and Adam is just back there, you know, dropping air horns and <laughs> and just really pumping you up. How's it been so you know, far? It's, it is great. I made a lot of shit-related jokes yesterday, and so... Having that amplified to the world was was a delight, a true delight. Yeah, and honestly, you made a shit joke in our pre-show. For anybody who doesn't listen to our pre-show, we'll, we'll give you a sneak peek here. I had an impressive thing happen to me yesterday after I had a couple of adult beverages uh, with Mr. Ross Merriam singing some karaoke downtown. I get home and I get a glass of water and I'm heading up my stairs and as I do, a perfect storm happened where I uh, tripped a little uh, glob of water, fell onto my stair right as I was about to step. I fell and then completely ate shit on the way back and just landed on my back. And Brian's whole thing he added to that story was, he's like, I'm really impressed that you were able to eat shit while you were falling. I'm impressed that there was shit available and that you were able to yeah. eat it while falling, <laughs> falling down. And he laughed far too hard at that instead of, you know, my actual story or yes. anything like that. So that's the kind of gold you get on the pre-show is, is BBD shit jokes. That might be more of like a, uh, a false gold fool's gold as it were but <laughs> a false gold wow impressive. All right, next up next Golf up we clap. got brandon <laughs> previously brandon uh needed to go through orientation has completed it mm -hmm. did skip the dr unk's day of orientation though um you can't get out of that though brandon eventually dr unk's will find yeah, that you one's, it'll come back and get you one way or another but that he is uh now the official bbp spokesperson <laughs> slash scapegoat so his oh. job is to issue um any public relation messages on behalf of the bash bros uh podcast including apologies and other things and then also take mm -hmm. all the shit that comes from them so yeah. does he have to actually take physical shit or is that is this, this metaphorical shit meta now i i cannot this one's this metaphorical. one's metaphorical okay i yeah, can never tell with you so yeah yeah, Brandon, of course, uh, specified that he's going to keep this sinking ship afloat, which doesn't make sense. But you know what? I'll take the metaphor. And he's kind of spot on about that. 
<laughs> Next up, we got Eric, and that is uh, the BBP emotional support changeling. Uh, formerly the wall that BBD stared at. So, you know, really, really taking a more active approach into making BBD feel better. Uh, once again, BBD, you got a lot of people that are working specifically this for is, you. And it's not even your podcast. BBP. This is not for the BBD. This is this is everyone's yeah. emotional support changeling, not just me. Mm, okay, touche, touche. Well, Eric's the best. Appreciate him. All right. Next up, we have Steve, and that is our general counsel and chief legal analyst. That's, uh, not, that's not correct. Nope. Mm -mm. I I don't know. That's what it says on the sheet. No, it's the okay. it's the analyst. We we don't like analyzing anything, but we analyze a lot of shit around here. It's a backdoor <laughs> uh, backdoor job. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we are back to our men. Wait, what? <laughs> Jimi Hendrix song, anyone? Okay. I'll sounds like no nobody to me on that one. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure Dr. Unks is a backdoor man. <laughs> All right, next up we got DJ, and that is the official copycat. So DJ's job this week was actually the general counsel and chief legal analyst. So uh yeah, just keeps doing other people's jobs. It's DJ's not the favorite person at the Bash Bros podcast, you know, people that just keep uh trying to one-up you essentially. That's that's kind of DJ, but does make sure jobs are done. By just doing the same job over and over. You can say he's over. the most popular person, though, because he seems to be everywhere at once. All right, That's next we've got Bino Gatista. So uh, he had he had been on trial. Mm. However, it was... That was a fortnight was, ago, right? It was. That trial okay. was actually thrown out. Uh, yeah, there was jury oh tampering involved. Uh, so his trial was thrown mm. out. He's actually been released. He's on his way back to the States to to serve as the next special guest on the Bash Bros podcast. However, he okay. sent us mail via the Pony Express to state that it would be <laughs> at least one fortnight, perhaps two, uh, before he would be able to oh. get situated and join us on the cast. So, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Absolutely yeah. insane. Bino, I'm starting to think may never get on well, this podcast let's like it, it's not been a, get hasty all right let's it's been a journey all right i'll i'll keep faith for a little bit longer all right uh s saruti is next and that is our business analyst you might think the chief legal analyst and business analyst is pretty close and uh yeah you'd be right <laughs> yeah the person <laughs> who's able to differentiate between those two roles is uh very anal so yeah. Super yeah. anal about everything. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Insight Esports, which is the esports event organizer on MTG Melee. Hashtag double sponsored. Boom. <laughs> hashtag shill. Hashtag ad. Yep. Hashtag sponsored. Hashtag I'm playing in their modern event this weekend. Hashtag sponsor me. It's a lot of hashtags. Oh, yeah. I suppose I'm up since yes, there's only two of us, right. huh? 
<laughs> Next up, we got Ian Pasella, and that is BBP's leading resident pastafarian. And I must say, I uh, the last month or so have uh, been eating a lot of pasta, so I think I gotta watch it slim down a little bit. So Ian, I'm I'm afraid you gotta keep me out of this uh, pasta work for a little yeah, while. Yeah, there's there's the uh, notorious slim fast diet. I've been working the uh, lesser known slim slow diet, and it's not going very well. So. Yeah, admittedly, they're they're not doing great as a business. The slim slow, you know, like it, it, people kind of want to just lose weight fast, which is weird. But instead of gain weight slow, and their website's <laughs> a little slim shady. So, oh, All right, we got Wapa, and that is Brad's personal barista Wapa! and dog walker. Uh, won't walk mm. BBD. You know, once I was hurt by such statements, but. Now that I no longer live with Brad, such a thing is not really a possibility anymore. So you know what? I'm over it. I've and since I no longer walk is what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> since I can't walk, I just I just roll my chair from since place I can't to place. Walk anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, I heard you're back in your gaming chair. That was another piece of great content during the pre-show. <laughs> And you just love it, right? You're big, a big uh, endorser of gaming chairs. Gaming chairs suck ass they fucking suck so much do never buy a gaming chair there's one thing you learn from this yeah. podcast i hope it is not has nothing to do with modern and i hope it is don't eat shit and don't buy a gaming chair <laughs> yeah that's what i'm taking yeah. away from this that's for sure uh next up we got adam and that is our ghost writer uh adam is also kind of our scapegoat for everything because any anytime we say something that's on the edge of being you know i don't know inappropriate in any way it's adam who did the writing so adam's kind of a scapegoat but now we got another person to blame whenever we you know say fuck too many times in an episode or or talk about eating shit you know that kind of stuff now it's well, two it might people's be fault. Adam's fault but uh brandon is the one who takes the blame it's it's not oh, actually so adam just kind of adam just kind of gets to you know just get away with it essentially oh, yeah. huh oh yeah all right next wow. up we got david watt wow. okay. and that is our special guest screener who did have rigorously interviewed numerous candidates for the special guest position this week and did a mm -hmm. bang up job really knocked it out of the park so yeah david once again uh brian's been lying in his screener meetings guests special guest screening meetings he was only an expert in legacy stone blade. So, I mean, come on, David, you gotta, you gotta start asking the real questions and maybe even get BBD a lie detector. Oh, it, it, it's no lies were stated at all. I, I a hundred percent fulfilled the, uh, I, the winning a grand prix with just guy stone blade thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess these are just true lies then instead of no lies. Sounds huh? like we need a true detective to figure that out. Oh, one person we don't need is Paul Kath. I don't have one on me. Ah, uh, Sarowski. We don't need a wall-staring photographer, but BBD's got new walls around, you know? Uh, BBD's new address is 1427. <laughs> if anybody has any, you know, special deliveries you want to send, but 
<laughs> but Paul has new walls to take pictures of, you know? I mean, I bet you have at least four new walls there. So, you know, Paul, you got to get, yeah, get to work. Unfortunately, there's a painting on the wall right behind me. It's a little distracting oh. from the off-white <laughs> wall behind it. So. <laughs> well, take yeah. that down. All right, next up we got Phil. And we don't know at all what Phil does. We'll never know what Phil mm. does. And we'll never try to know mm. what Phil does. He, Yeah, Phil never made it to orientation. So we legitimately have not been able to place him, but still is on the payroll. And by payroll, I mean is paying us and it continues to roll yes. that by every week. Yes. <laughs> and we're, Phil is doing this a great job. Great, absolutely great job. Yeah, I mean, definitely can't think of anything that he's doing poorly. So, you know, keep, keep the checks coming, Phil. Next up, we got JP. And that is Mangu's timestamp finder. And this is, of course, when we actually start talking about magic so that we know we've officially lost Mangucci. And uh, you know what? I think we did okay. I, I feel like we somehow BS shorter when Brad's not here. I, th I think it's more of a, you know, um, a, a, an attempt to yes. tilt Brad by trying to avoid talking about magic for as it's long as possible. So next week, expect very little yeah, magic Yeah, it's talk. because Brad hates when we do the random bullshit for way too long in an episode. <laughs> so we must only do those on episodes where he's around so we control the shit out of him. 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward oh, to yeah. next week. <laughs> All right, we got Sultan Abbasi. That is our designated mana dork. And in honor of Corey's heinous combo deck i'm gonna go with mox amber oh okay i thought maybe you were gonna give it to uh old the Ray monkey Man. and give it to the old I old regs curveball yeah. go a different route Ooh, all right hey that uh that's a nice one next up we got eric Nall and uh eric Nall. Got a job change here, really exciting stuff. So uh, after six, er, after Eric successfully cleared out all the trash from the merch store, Eric's been promoted from the BBP trash man to the BBP head of health and safety. Impressive stuff. Um, for Eric's first announcement, uh, he's recommending that all employees get vaccinated and continue to wear a mask in public spaces. So you know what, go you Eric, you are really, uh, really fouching it up. Up yeah, in here. those are those are actually legitimate uh, uh, suggestions. Um, yeah, I will say that ever since Eric took over as the health uh, and safety expert or head, uh, we have we've gotten better grades on our health inspections at the uh, BBP. Yeah, it's it's all all ones out of fives, and we were at zero out of five before. Yeah, so not bad. Big improvement yeah. there. Speaking of, mm -hmm. I don't know, something I took a front to is we, we have we have Garrett Melody, <laughs> who is our merch store manager, and I took I took uh, offense to the idea that there was trash in our merch store. How dare you besmirch the work mm. that Garrett Melody has done? Our merch store is yeah. top tier. There is only oh, the yeah. best merchandise there, which everyone buys. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a new, I have a new shirt idea. Sure. Do you want to hear it? All right. It's in honor of this episode and it's just Brian's face. And then 
you like with your mouth open and a big pile of shit next to it with just an X through it so you don't eat shit. It's just a constant reminder uh, for people that, you know, maybe didn't know that they shouldn't do that. sitting on a gaming chair while this is all happening? Also with an X through <laughs> yeah, it, do cards. not sit on this gaming chair. <laughs> And then on the back, there's just a picture of Brian, just with an X through it as well. Just don't ever just Brian as do well. Do not special guest this man, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So look, oh, be on the God. lookout for our newest shirt dropping soon. Maybe think of an actually legit shirt idea, which is um, like one of those posters that you would hang up, you know, like uh, on a, on a like a post in a city or something, and it's just like a okay. picture of. BBD and it just says, do not add this man as a special guest to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beware. Yeah, I just got notes about it, like, you know, below or whatever. It's like. <laughs> yeah, let's get it. Let's get it going. Uh, next up, we got Patrick and that is our office party coordinator. B-Rad is going to be in my town here in two days. So it looks like we're going to, we're actually having a house party instead of an office party at the old Todd Anderson house, like good old times on Sunday. So we wish you could be there, Brian. You want to fly in? You got, I got time? time? But, you know, honestly, I prefer a trance party over a house party. A, a what? Okay. Deal. All right. Now we got Filippos Galanis, which is fortunately a role that had no relevancy in this episode. Brad's soundboard operator. Thank God. Thank God we don't have to deal with that shit this time around. Yeah, Filippos Galanis gets the gets the week off, of course, but still, uh, we do need that that check still sent to us. (laughs) $5 $5 a week from all our cast and crew uh, still is paid, even though we may not do an episode. We, we want to keep <laughs> that clear. Next up, we got Laura and that is our CEO uh, is just in charge of everything, you know? So whenever it, it's really a third scapegoat, uh, I would say the third in command, I would say Adam gets, gets blamed for all the words. Um, we of course have our brand new scapegoat. Um, uh, as Brandon, and then our third one is just Laura. You know, whenever something bad goes wrong, it, it's obviously the CEO. I think it's fault. more of Laura makes eighty percent of the profits of our company, takes credit for all of our successes, and is using it to leverage himself into a new CEO position. While the laborers who actually do all the work of the podcast, like everyone else we've listed, uh, receives uh, below mm. minimum wage. So they're wizards of the coast, essentially, huh? I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. All right, we have... I mean, they are blank of the blank. Please censor that and scratch that from the podcast, All Jonathan. Right. We got, <laughs> speaking of roles that are unnecessary for this episode, we have Victor, Brad's first-place trophy holder. Brad's not here and doesn't have any first-place trophies. Boom. Roasted. Ooh, get get rocked. And then, oh, of that course, was the last probably one. our most... And that was the... <laughs> And probably our most important member of the cast and crew really does a lot of work on the back end, which is really important. And that is Dr. Unks. That is our resident proctologist. Every new cast and crew member goes through orientation and then goes to uh, the mandatory proctology exam from Dr. Unks. And if you skip it, 
um, like our good friend did, our newest member of the cast and crew, uh, Adam. Um, uh, Dr. Unks just goes to you in your sleep, and it's a much more surprising exam. It is uh, not what I signed up for. <laughs> but what you still get on a daily basis, Dr. Unks, of course, has stayed in Seattle to uh, really be where he is needed, um, you know, which, which is, is nowhere. Brian. What? What? Oh, oh <laughs> Well, everyone, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Brother Who Bashes uh, podcast with very special guest, our legacy Jeskai Stoneblade expert, Mr. Brian Brown doing. So, BBD, thank you for being on you know this what? week's episode. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for inviting me, Mr. Baumeister. I had a delightful time. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Maybe uh, maybe we'll see if we can get you back on the podcast for uh, um, a half a fortnight from now. And that will be our next podcast, everyone. We will see you there. And uh, hopefully we'll have Mr. Brad Nelson back joining us as well. So take care, everyone. Bye-bye.